I, a stranger and afraid in a world I never made. It's a development to reach a point where you say, where you even raise the question, can I choose my own country? It seems that in one sense, you don't have any choice at all. A good analogy is to think about your country as a person. What people will often tell you is, you shouldn't criticize your country if you are not doing anything to make it better. When you rebel against tyranny, what do you demand? It's an expression of slaves happy with their servitude, but they're just upset about having one meal a day. I left the country feeling that I was crippled for life. My name is mine for the praise or scorn. And the world began when I was born. And the world is mine to win. And the world is mine to win. Hello, Ricardo. Hello, Leopold. How is it going? Good, good. Well, before we start talking today about choosing your country, I just want to make an announcement. I want to thank our listeners and friends because I was looking now at some of the statistics of our podcast. And we have, speaking of countries, we have more than 30 countries who are listening to our podcast from all over the world. We have people from the U.S., from the UAE, from Argentina, from France, from Spain, from Czechoslovakia, from Poland. I love that. Wow. From Serbia, from Belgium, from UK, from Lebanon. So that's amazing. I mean, who would want to listen to a podcast called Ideas on Trial? <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that's a daring move. That's a daring move. Okay, so today we're talking about a very important topic, which both of us resonate with. And I think so many people out there, you know, feel the same. They resonate with the topic, which is choosing your country, whether you can choose, whether you should choose your own country or not. I think it's very relevant if we actually have such an international audience. We resonate with it because both of us, you and I, left our countries of origin. We still have the nationality, of course, but we left f for another country. But we still don't find ourselves comfortable or completely happy about the places where we're at. Would you agree to that? Yeah, I mean, you were born in Argentina. No, in Venezuela. In, in Venezuela, sorry. And now you live in Argentina. Yes. And I was born in Lebanon. And now I live in Dubai, in the UAE. And it's interesting because both of us, as you said, you know, we're, we're always thinking about that move. We're always thinking that, why can't I find my place in my own country? And yeah. I think throughout our development, we came to a point where we're thinking whether it's important to find your place in your country or not. And if not, what can you do about it? Uh, and whether this is like a continuous search to find the perfect country, like is there a perfect country to live in? So I think yeah. it gets complicated, but it's really worth having a conversation about it. Yeah. So for today, we'll discuss the nature of this question. Why 
this is important to discuss. What do we exactly mean by choosing your country, which will have something special to say about that. And we'll tackle two objections, which are whether you can and should criticize your country of origin. And the second objection is whether you can leave it at all, whether your country marks you yeah. or not. So let's start with the first question. So both of us made a great move and yes. I'm sure it, it, you had to change lots of things, the way you behave, your finances. So it involves a lot of decision, but why do you think it is important to go through this? Because it's something that many people experience today because we're in a globalized society where everyone is moving for one or two reasons. So why do you think it's crucial to choose the place where you're living? Well, I think there's a, there's a development phase, so it's not crucial at the outset, right? So if you think about it, maybe someone who is, who, who lives in a primitive society, or if you think about a child, you know, he will never he will never think about choosing his own country and having a choice in this matter. So I think from one sense, it's a development to reach a point where you say, where you even raise the question, can I choose my own country? Is it possible? And I guess today we're going to discuss the ideas of why actually you can and what constitute that choice. And one of them I can say now is, understanding what is a country, what constitute a country and how is that related to your choices and to your ambitions and to your goals and to your life as such. So that's, that's I think, an important perspective on, on the choice of country. You said something very interesting, which is it's a gradual development. Yeah. And I, I think that is so true because it seems that In one sense, you don't have any choice at all uh, of a country where you're born yet. In fact, let me make that stronger. You don't have a choice of where you're born. And as long as you're born there, that's part of your biography. That's part of who you are, even if as a background. And it's something that you begin to think more as you grow as you become an adult and as you become more aware of what you want in your life and what you don't want, right? What you want yeah. to choose to live and part ways with your countries. But let me ask you the second question, which is what do we mean or what do you understand by choosing your country? Because I don't think we simply mean seeking better opportunities abroad which is something that we all do, right? Yeah. We're not merely talking about going abroad for a semester to study at university or for a career change. We're talking about a deeper choice. So what is it about? Well, again, this is a very packed question because there's so many things uh, involved, but I think a good analogy is to think about your country as a person, right? Just ask yourself. So for example, I'm from Lebanon. So if Lebanon was a person, what would it look like? 
what would be its main character traits? What are, you know, her or his values, right? And I think if you start characterizing the country, you start seeing a certain need to to even raise the question whether you need to choose your country or not. And I'll give you an example. It's like, okay, so you have this person, but now you want to form a relationship with this person. And let's take it to the extreme. You want to partner with this relationship. You want to marry this person, right? So how would it look like if you live, for example, under a corrupt system? How would it look like if you said, I want to marry this corrupt person? Or how would it look like if you said, I never had the chance to choose my wife? And, you know, this concept still exists. We still see in many countries arranged marriages, right? And I think this is very important. And the similarity here is striking because in a sense, you are actually not choosing your country. You're born in it until a certain level where you have to reach a place and you think about what does it mean to form this relationship with this person or this country. Make sense? Yes, I think it does. You know, for preparation for this episode, I came across with an old poem by A. E. Hausman, a British poet and man of letters. And one of his most famous works is a poem called The Laws of God and the Laws mm -hmm. of Man. And he has a phrase there that I think captures my thinking about this whole subject. He says there, I, a stranger and afraid, in a world I never made. I love it. I, who didn't make any decisions about where I'm living, the laws I'm under, have to still comply with them. Mm. And I think that's, that's a very important perspective, even if... I think it's wrong, and I'll tell you why in a while. There is a sense in which you are put in society, not, not only you are born in it, but you don't have any direct decision over the system you're born and under the, you know, the values and the rules people around you choose to live by. Yeah. So... I think that choosing your country is fundamentally a decision in the full sense, not only because you can, you can decide to seek to live for better opportunities, to live for good, for more economic prosperity, but also fundamentally you want to develop the conviction that you are an agent of change in every respect of your life and that you have a voice that you can participate in this society you end up living because it's a commitment it's a commitment that we take through every action even if we will not fully agree with everything that's going on in the country i think in fact that's impossible you must share certain fundamental values with that place and that culture and that gives you the willingness to tell yourself, I will fight for it. Yeah. 
there's something to be safe here and I'm willing to put in the effort. Because if not, we will feel strangers and afraid in a world we never made. Yeah. Right? And I think here is, you know, another analogy that we can use or here is a, a much more powerful a- approach to look at a country because my analogy was let's characterize a country, right? But if you think about it, you really can't do that. I mean, from one angle you can just so you can get the idea what the country looks like in terms of character traits and values and all that. But from an un- another th- sense, you can't do it because at the end of the day, like you said, you need to be involved in changing or advancing the laws and the the values even of a country. And that's why that's why we're doing what we're doing, because we want to create an intellectual movement. And you can't apply that to a person. I mean, not fully. So I think that's an important distinction between my example and yours. And it's a decision that doesn't involve just the vote. Oh, yeah. It, it involves your every action, how you fit in that society, the, the, how you relate to other people. Because guess what? Living with other people is a huge value. Yeah. If under the right conditions, of course, not. society is not a good in itself. But you don't want to feel alienated from the society you're living in. Rather, as I said, develop that conviction that you can do something even if not directly, but you have a voice and that will be heard. So I think that would be one of the turning points when you live in a country and then you discover that actually you can't make a difference. You can't make a change. You oppose to the fundamental ideas and you can't make a change. And that would be one decision to leave. Would that apply to you and your choice to leave uh, Venezuela? Oh, definitely. Definitely. The, the conviction that there's nothing to save there. But that's a personal conviction. That's a personal conviction. And let me tell you what. There is an objection to be made for that. A country and a culture as a whole, if it's prosperous, is an achievement. It's something that takes work, that takes a lot of thinking, whether in the law, whether in in the economic arrangements, in every aspect you can think of. The giving in human history is war, is violence, right? So what people will often tell you is you shouldn't criticize your country if you are not doing anything to make it better to improve it. What I grant to that objection is that, what I said, a country is an achievement, a good country. But there's something suspicious about that objection, don't you think? Well, yeah, because again, you can't talk about helping your country out of context, right? So to help, you need a purpose. There should be something for you and that's why you you would be wanting to help your country. For example, my purpose would be, even though I left my country, my purpose is to expose the ideas of my country 
and offer an alternative philosophy because I think the base of what's happening in Lebanon is actually philosophical. It's not it's not primarily economical nor political. But again, to to say I'm willing to do something implies a couple of things. One, that it's in your power to do something. Yeah. Right? Which again raises a question on what level? You wanna you wanna help on what you can help or you want to help or it's in your power to help on what level? So one level would be intellectual, but that won't be enough. You need some also practical things to do. And again, to draw from my country, I don't think it's possible. You have, uh, you know, key dragons, <laughs> the way I put it, that you can't overcome. So that's from one sense. From another sense is you have to believe and to have some proof that your actions and ideas might make a change. And this is not only political. This is also related to people's values, to the dominant ideas, you know, dominating the culture. So if you see that the dominant narrative in in a culture are against your ideas, well, that's something that should raise a question in your mind. Now, this doesn't mean that there aren't minorities who are thinking and trying to make a change. But again, you need to identify with these people, right? And you want to make sure that your help will actually add something to your own life. You know, at least some kind of satisfaction, some kind of a benefit, at least the hope of, I don't know, coming back or playing a major role uh, in the country's development, something like that. Or at least if I want to open a business, knowing that I'm I'm safe to open a business. So the fact that actually I'm criticizing my country means that I'm trying to help, means that I care, right? At least in one sense. And in my case, it's raising the awareness on the importance of philosophy. Yeah, I agree with that. But you know, there is a presumption in this question that I think must be challenged. And it is the idea that you somehow owe something to your country or your culture. Mm. And I don't think that's true. Whenever we think about this topic, we should keep in mind that your life comes first. And that that sense of commitment you may have with your country or with any other country is something earned, something earned based on the values you perceive and you become convinced are good for you, for your prosperity, for your future, in every realm of life. So I would say that commitment is preceded by believing that something can be saved, not blind duty, not an empty form of nationalism which is what it amounts to. But the something here is crucial, I guess, because the something can be the trees. It can be, you know, the mountains. It can be the cuisine. Or it can be something much more fundamental. So what is that something that we can and we should aim at saving? I think that's the important uh, question. Right. You know, that takes us to our second objection, which is that you can take any decision you want. 
They will tell us that, okay, choose your country, do whatever you want. But you will still be a Lebanese. You will still be Venezuelan. There's nothing you can do because your culture marks you. Yeah. Right? That's your identity. So your country, That's your, your identity. Passport, That's what your mm -hmm. place of birth is your identity. And I think the distinction you made is very important because there is a question of what do we mean by a culture? Sure, it is true that you cannot easily leave behind things like your tasting food, the way you greet others, the, your accent. <laughs> I've tried hard, but I can't uh, get away with my accent. But the way I understand it is that even though they, those can be valuable things, they are fundamentally superficial and that there is a hierarchy when it comes to cultural values. Not every aspect of your country carries the same weight. Not every aspect of your country merits a big, taking a big decision. I think when we're thinking about this topic, we should keep in mind that even though the natural beauties of your country can make you stay there, because I think that's a legitimate decision, right? I love the food. I choose to remain here, even though there are some other problems, but I can deal with it. What's more fundamental is, as you said, the character of that country, what it stands for, the values that it represents. So in a sense, yes, your country does leave a mark. And it's a mark that combines your experience, your languages, your memories, your, your families. It's like, you know, a physical injury can leave a mark, can leave a scar, right? Uh, a broken right. heart can leave a mark. The smell of your mom's dishes can leave a mark, right? Yeah. But I think the question is, do these things mark you as in brand your identity? And the answer is no. Like there are, for example, for me, there are places in Lebanon that elevates my spirits. If I go, there's a place called the Cedars. If I go there, I feel glorious. Uh, and there's a sense of generosity in Lebanon, in some areas that fills you with benevolence. We were talking about the seasons in Lebanon. The, okay, the variety of seasons, the enjoyment, the atmosphere, the proximity from the mountain to the beach. You know, all these things, I think, leave a mark, but they don't mark you. So from another fundamental sense, your country marks you if you let it. And I think, yeah. I think this is crucial. Your country will mark you if you let it which means it doesn't have to, and I think it shouldn't, unless you choose to. So, and I think this is, this is the essence of what makes us human, our you know, ability to make choices, rational choices, our free will. And I think this is important because in a sense, when we think about free will, we think about you know, choosing between your coffee and, and tea, right? But if we, if we dig deeper, Uh, we see that you, you need your free will for these kind of choices, for choosing your country, for choosing... There's a sound coming in your background. Yeah, it's an airplane, yeah. <laughs> oh, someone is coming to get you now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It's okay. It's for, okay. You, for choosing, you were saying? Yeah, so for choosing, so I was saying you need the free will for choosing these important aspects of your life, like choosing your country. And this involves a lot of focus and a lot of effort in order to understand what is a country, what is a culture, who are you, what are you, and what's the relationship between your country and, and yourself. In a sense, just I think this is important because it relates to what you're saying. In a sense, coincidence is not identity, mm. right? Like maybe I'm a male by coincidence. Yeah, but that's not my full identity at least. And the, you know, the place of birth is a coincidence, just like the fact that I was born, born a male uh, or a man. But the place of choice is an achievement. It's an achievement to say, I'm choosing this country with these values to be mine. That's beautiful. So choosing your country involves more than changing places or changing careers. Mm. It's a choice that it's, it's not obvious at all, right? It's not obvious that free will supply here, but it does. And it does deeply because you don't want to end up your life bitter as Hausmann's poem, who ends up feeling that he doesn't have any voice in the decisions he's around with. So I'm in the middle of the Argentinian winter. And I was just telling you that I love and miss the Caribbean. Mm. Uh, if there's something I, I like about Venezuela, that would be it, the, the weather. But the way I understand my decision is that that is just a detail. If you consider everything else that the country and the regime stands for. But still, yeah. I think it's worth mentioning that my decision is not universal. My decision is very individualized and there are people who choose to remain there or cho who choose to remain in countries you may come to consider as problematic or fundamentally flawed or corrupt and they are still fighting for it. And they may have legitimate reasons for doing so and that's something to respect if they're doing it for the right reason. So I, I think that's another application of free will. I'm going to choose to remain here and I'm going to live with it. You may be willing in some context to even give your life for that ideal country you choose to build yeah. where you are. Uh, Ricardo, I think here lies the importance of grasping the ideas not just the, I would say, the evil ideas of a certain country or the ideas that you reject, but also the, the ideas that are pro trying to promote change, right? So I'll give you an example. So in my country, in Lebanon, there was like a recent, it's been a year now, like, you know, they call Operation. it rebellion. Yeah, uprising, rebellion against, against what I see as tyranny, complete tyranny. But the question that I had in mind, and that's the power of ideas. And that's why I never fully endorsed that rebellion, even though I respected some of the people out there. And I respect the overall cause of, you know, you need to rebel 
against such tyranny. But when you look at the details, so for example, when you rebel against tyranny, what do you demand? Now, I think this is very important. And that's how you start zooming in, right? So for example, do you demand that freedom of expression is or should be an absolute necessity for life? Do you demand to limit, for example, the role of the government to protecting people? Or are you demanding that the tyrant give you more food, more electricity, better education? You know, what's or, the demand? Or, or something or something tried as going back to the old ways, going back to the old traditions, which is something absolutely. I've seen. So the, the point is, and that's why it's important to zoom in, because the first approach when you're looking at the fundamentals like freedom and the role of the government and, you know, the role of production in a country, the first shows from the people who are, rebelling, who are rebelling, common agreement on what's fundamental to life. Whereby the second example where you're asking the tyrant to give you more food is an expression of, of slavery. It's an expression of slaves happy with their servitud, you know, but they're just upset about having one meal a day. That's the approach. So even in the name of freedom, when you're asking the tyrant to change the rule or to give you more food or to have to build better roads or better electricity, you're acting like a prisoner. And that's, that's I think, the importance of zooming into the ideas of a country and saying, wait a minute, I have a conflict with this dominant ideas in the country and that's why i can't resonate and this is applicable to me the reason why i can't resonate and i don't call myself lebanese is because there's nothing there's not a single voice that resonates with my ideas i don't have to agree with them right but just just give me a tinge of hope that there's some thinking going on that could you know, improve life. That's why I think there is a scale when it comes to cultural values, because those are the kind of things we want to make sure we're thinking through well. Mm. The political system, the legal system, the values that people share or claim to be living in day-to-day -day life. Something like family comes first. Beliefs that are hard to question, that are not obvious that we should question, but we should do it. And that is in our power. Yes, you will not be able probably to leave behind your accent or the way you greet other people. But that's, that's not important in the grand scale of things. Sure. There are some borderline cases. For example, I couldn't bow to people as they do in some Asian cultures. I say that it's borderline because I perceive that as something, you know, against myself. But that's something you want to think through and perhaps you don't give it that weight. 
Yeah. But make sure maybe you're doing you're that, visiting, that thinking. Maybe if you're visiting, you would bow just out of respect, but you wouldn't choose to live a life this way, right? Exactly, yes. But that's the thing. I think it's important to, to separate the values you are volitionally embracing, the way of life you are committing to, versus whatever is typical in your country, whatever is good to enjoy, which, which has value. You may, yeah. as I said, you may end up choosing your country based on those things, but they are not the principal thing that will make your life better or worse. So in a sense, what we're saying is you have to come in order to choose a country, you have to come in agreement or at least have the chance to change the values, the fundamental values, which involves the political ideas, the social and dominant ideas, the, you know, the, and the common moral ideas, the moral ideas, of which course. are the most uh, important. Yeah, at least the, the dominant approach for the moral ideas, like, for example, in Lebanon, it's it's dominated by, you know, sectarianism, right? Under such system, you know, even history has proven that you can't actually do anything. It's going to be always a tribalistic country and mentality. But I think there's another sense, which is a result of all these moral values. And you can think about it as the psychological expression of these values. And the way I, I conceptualized Lebanon, again, not all people, but the, the dominant view is something that I called enslavement by laughter. Mm. Enslavement by laughter. And the reason is because most of the people don't take anything seriously. Nothing is serious. Everything is either turned into a joke or mockery for the sake of mockery, right? Not even, you know, not even satire, right? It's, it's rather the act of laughing at themselves. And this kills me because in my encyclopedia of values, you can't laugh at rights of individual rights. You can't laugh at freedom you can't laugh at bankruptcy you can't laugh at 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 poverty and people dying on the streets you, you can't laugh at one of the biggest e explosion that happened in the world you can't laugh at misery you can't laugh at slavery this is the kind of attitude that most lebanese people do even when they're rebelling they want to turn the serious rebellion into a party now, the argument is always, you know, we have a you know, good sense of life, we're hopeful, we want to transform everything into a joyful, optimistic approach. No, it, it just doesn't add up, right? It makes me frustrated because so long as this is the approach to serious ideas, you know, the master is always enjoying the laughter that you're creating, even when you are actually criticizing the master. And that's the psychology of, of enslavement. This is something I, I totally reject. And that's one of the primary reasons why I can't connect with this country. Right? Yeah. Like, you can change all the laws, but it's not about that. You can change the politicians, but it's not about that. It's about the sense of, of life that people had, have built 
throughout centuries of taking everything so lightly, so in a sense of mockery that nothing important stands true, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's precisely something that's in between the explicit philosophy and moral ideas that the country and the society as a whole stand for and the traditional, typical way the culture has. So yeah, I think there's there's a lot of points we can think about when it comes to choosing your your own country, if that's possible. And for me, I'm always in a pursuit of finding my country. From one sense, I I love and I agree with the with the ideas of of America, but also I don't agree to so many practical application of these ideas nowadays. But at least I think you have something in the Constitution, in the American Constitution, that you can fight for and fight with. But me personally, I mean, you should have been with me on this airplane 15 years ago, leaving my country to work in a new place. And I had no regret, no remorse, nothing but a mission to achieve my ambition. Only, and that's why I think it's an achievement to choose your country. Only I never understood what constitute a country. I didn't get the link between a country's values and my personal ambition. And I left Lebanon to work in Saudi Arabia. And guess what? My favorite movie was Braveheart. <laughs> and now you, so you can see the clash, right? Freedom! Right. <laughs> So so I just want to say that I had an interesting experience in Saudi until I started witnessing firsthand the link between values and ambition, between freedom and production, between political ideas and personal purpose. And, you know, a couple of years after I left and I came to Dubai and, you know, my, my study of philosophy and my obsession in creative thinking and independent thinking led me to the conclusion that you actually have to choose your country if you are concerned about your ambition, your goals, your purpose, your dreams, because you can't achieve those in a country that doesn't allow you to achieve them. You can't achieve your ambition, you can't produce the way you want to produce in a country that is chaining you. So even if you are born, you know, I always tell, uh, you know, my friends and they don't really like it, but I tell them, my Lebanese friend, the way I see Lebanon is a graveyard of ambition. Wow. That's Lebanon. That's the way I see it. If you want to to bury your ideas and your, your values and your ambition, then here's a country for you. And from another perspective, I salute everyone in Lebanon who's trying their best to save it because they believe it's possible. I don't, they do, I respect that. And in any way I can support them, I'm always happy to do it. You know, I've come to the same conclusion about Venezuela. I left the country feeling that I was crippled for life. And that's something I said explicitly. I am crippled because I was born here. I lost 20, 20 years of my life. But 
as I've learned more and as I've been exposed to whole different cultures, I've come to realize that first is just your background that other people have legitimate reasons to stay there, even if nothing justifies what the regime does. Yeah. And so I, I've had an opposite development from you because humor has been fundamental for my conviction. I take it as this is just a mess. This is just not <laughs> an important regime, an important country. I mean, it, it is an important country for the people who want to save it, but yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't affect me for life. And I'm still working with uh, that decision. I cannot tell you that I want to live here the rest of my life. No. But as they say, time will tell. I'll, I'll keep an eye out to see what places will be more fruitful for my ambition. Yeah. So I guess as a poem by Charles Clark says, my name is mine for the praise or scorn. And the world began when I was born. And the world is mine to win. And I think that's the whole point. The world is yours. It's yours and your name is yours to choose its own flag, to choose its own waters and, and bridges and mountains. Your name is yours to sing whatever song represents who you are. Thank you for listening to Ideas on Trial. We would love to hear your feedback. I know that this is an important topic and maybe we've made a couple of radical points, which we're always up for challenge. And Ricardo, I guess we want to explore this topic from another angle later on. So we'll keep you posted, yeah. but please make sure you send us your feedback, go to our website, ideasontrial.live, or just follow us on Instagram and Facebook and keep us posted on what kind of ideas you'd like us to develop. Have a good day. Mm -hmm.